This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. A lot to recap from the weekend. We'll do it here on the Monday Bulls Beat. A reminder that this will be our only show this week. We'll be back, well, in a week from today as we'll be actually using the off week for football to take a little bit of time away. But we were definitely all over the place the past few days with a memorable volleyball match on Friday night and then, of course, the football broadcast at Raymond James Stadium. Saturday was a doubleheader on USF Bulls Unlimited. It looked like volleyball was going to make it a 2-0 and weekend for certain, but that didn't happen. And then Sunday night, a wild, incredible 3-3 tie for the men's team against FIU. Oh, yeah. The women's soccer team was on the road and had a very key result. No around the American today, as we'll let you know during this show exactly, well, what it looks like for both the men's and women's soccer teams as far as the conference standings go. We'll, of course, begin with football, and we'll give you a few highlights here of the Bulls' loss to Tulane 45-31. Unfortunately, Bulls fall to 1-6 on the season, and as you know, Gary Bohannon gets injured, and it did not look good. I'll tell you what did look good, the offense, the two drives before Gary was injured, the sounds of the Bulls' offense hitting their stride, only, as you know, to have that stride interrupted by an injury. Third down and five. Bulls need to get to the 31. Bohannon, good protection, hits Weaver on a crossing pattern, and he's got the first down out past the 35-yard line. Well, that's a big play because it's the Bulls' first first down of the game. So they're over that psychological hurdle, and maybe they can string some plays together here and move the ball. That's desperately needed. 33rd catch of the year for Xavier Weaver, by far the team leader. Faked the handoff to Batty. Bohannon to throw. He's got Horn near sideline. He'll be ridden out of bounds deep into lane territory inside the 20-yard line of the Green Wave. That was a beautiful play by Gary Bohannon, who was getting lots of pressure from the backside. Just before he got hit, he released the ball perfectly to Horn down the right sideline. Keeper Bohannon, he's got some room, fighting for the sticks, and it looks like he got there at about the 10-yard line. Faked the pitch to Batty, kept it himself, and he's got the Bulls a first down. Had a couple of nice spin moves there instead of just powering into the defender. Tried some trickeration. Got to the sticks. Great play by Gary Bohannon. Eighth play of the drive coming up. The Bulls are 65% scoring touchdowns when in the red zone. Here's Bohannon. Throws it to the end zone. Caught. Jimmy Horn. Touchdown, USF. The Bulls have taken the lead. Another nifty play with the fake pitch. Bohannon kept it, threw it over the middle, and Horn was wide open. Well, he freezed the Tulane defense there with the fake pitch. Dubati, you have to respect that, but that split second of hesitation allowed him to find Jimmy Horn wide open in the end zone. Bohannon to throw again, long middle of the field. It's Horn, he's got it at the 40 of Tulane. Jimmy Horn racking up the catches, two on this drive, four on the day, and the Bulls have another first down. That was a 25-yard gain. Jimmy Horn's already looking at the possibility of another 100-yard game for himself. Here's Michael Dukes, cuts it inside, gets a good gain, and just gets tripped up, or he might still be running. 
And the Bulls are really moving the ball against them. Second and three from the 33, Bohannon, keeper. Gets by one man, gets to the 30, to the 25, to the 20. Still on his feet. He goes all the way to the end zone. 33 yards, Gary Bohannon. That's six for the Bulls, and USF reclaims the lead. You know, there was a time when USF could count on plays like that from their quarterback when, when a guy named Quentin Flowers was behind center. But Gary Bohannon is showing that the Bulls once again have a new dimension behind center, a quarterback who can run, 33-yard touchdown by GB. And indeed, it did seem like the offense was hitting a true stride. Now, of course, we left some stuff out there, including Tulane taking the lead, but nice job by the defense of forcing them to settle for two field goals the first drive after the Bulls won the coin toss and chose to start with the ball and went three and out. was a 15-play, 71-yard drive, but they had to settle for three. And then after a fumble by Kelly Joyner in his first action, Again, a field goal was forced, so the defense was doing its job holding things in check until the offense started to pick it up. And the defense gets a stop. Everything is looking solid, even though Tulane converted a fourth down. Bulls force a punt. Next play on offense, things changed. Bohannon to throw. Pressure coming. Steps up. Now he's going to run 15 and puts his head down and gets to about the 18, and he's slow to get up. Bohannon down at the 18-yard line. He sprang from the pocket to the right side and kind of dove for the sticks like a torpedo and got lost under a couple of two-lane defenders. On the 20-yard line, now he's sitting up and walking without assistance. But walking very gingerly and with his head down. Obviously can't speculate, but it's not like he's sprinting off the field. They did an x-ray and said the x-ray was negative, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but he couldn't, he didn't have uh, much strength in it, so they'll have to do some more tests and all that so we know. But I think the first thing they look for whenever you land on your shoulder is a broken collarbone or something like that, and uh, that was negative. Uh, but uh, he, he couldn't go back in the game in the second half. He, he couldn't raise his uh, arm up, but uh, we'll, we'll hope that uh, all the other tests come back clean and that we can get him back as soon as we can. Just that injury alone is critical enough, but if you missed it during the press conference, almost seemed like every minute and a half, Jeff Scott dropped in another surprising injury. DJ Gordon was unavailable. We didn't know that was going to be the case. He, it turns out, suffered a concussion in practice on Wednesday. And then there was this one, by the way, before we get back to the game. I got, I got one better than that. Uh, Jonathan Ross uh, had a, a weight land on his uh, defensive end, second team. Jonathan Ross in, in pregame while he's about to flex, has a big weight drop on his finger, broke his finger. So found out he was out before he ever put his pads on to go out there. So I, I, I don't know. We're, we're uh, setting records on that. Uh, I, I don't know what to, what to say. It was Trey Marsh's turn, and he definitely showed some flashes, but he also showed plenty of signs of a guy that you know wasn't completely in rhythm. When you don't get a bunch of snaps in practice, you can think you're prepared for a situation like that. But, you know, it'd be like if – you know, technically, I'm the backup for Jim Lauk on play-by-play, -play, and the only chance I'm going in is if Jim Lauk, you know, his voice cracks up. But even if that happens, I'm probably not going to be fully prepared. And you could just see, especially in the second half, even when the Bulls scored a touchdown, it was thanks to the defense forcing a fumble and only two plays. But outside of that, there was a sequence of five drives where the Bulls did not have more than three plays in a drive, including three, three and outs. One in particular was all pass plays and just all were off the mark, and that's just kind of how it went. 
Credit to Tulane, though. It seems like anytime they needed to dial up some scores, they did, particularly in a devastating sequence after the Bulls had gotten down to the one-yard line and had to settle for a field goal. Yeah, the short-yarded situations have bitten the Bulls. Nothing you can do about it, but my kingdom for Jaron Mangum in the game right now. He's hurt. Well, Mangum with 15 touchdowns last year, and he got three right off the bat this year. It's always a conundrum when you have a big, tall quarterback. Why don't you get under center and just push yourself over? But the Bulls will go from the shotgun, apparently, still. Granted, if they go ahead 21-17 instead of tying it at 17, far from game over. But as it was, here's what happened quickly after the Bulls tied it in the third quarter, and it was still very much a game. That D-line that's played really well. D-line has played exceptionally well today. If they can keep it up, they're going to give Tulane lots of problems. Pistol formation. Handoff on first down, and as soon as we say that, Spears breaks in to the secondary, makes a man miss at the 50. Now it's a foot race, and he goes all the way and scores 75 yards. Boy, we gave him the kiss of death on that one, I guess. 75-yard touchdown run, and the Bulls trail again. Well, we've seen this enough this season to know that's exactly what USF's defense does not need. Bob Shoup will call it a catastrophic play, and that's exactly what it is, a 75-yard run, largely untouched. Marsh will keep, and he fumbles, and it's taken by Tulane and down to the six-yard line. Turnover Bulls, and Tulane will have a first and goal. Well, that play was a mess. You could see that they didn't know what to run, and Marsh wound up keeping it, and he fumbled it away. The play was a pitch to Batty, but he didn't see it in time, and he... He pitched it, but as he was being tackled, and he pretty much put the ball on the ground, but he had no shot at getting the ball. So the recovery by Tulane leading to a first and goal. Macon Clark, safety, wound up with the recovery. And it's first and goal Tulane on the six-yard line. Pratt's going to wind up being a wide receiver to the left. This will be a direct snap to Spears on first and goal. And he will run, tries to go wide left, breaks out of a tackle, and breaks in to the end zone. Six yards, touchdown, Spears with his second of the quarter, and it's 30-17. to 17. Well, this game has changed and changed in a hurry. It was just a few minutes ago that the Bulls had tied it at 17. Spears now with two touchdowns, first a 75-yarder now, a direct snap. Six-yarder, and the Bulls are stunned without Gary Bohannon. Two-play series with them scoring on a one-play touchdown and then the, the turnover at the six-yard line and then the one-play touchdown. You know, that was just, uh, you know, too hard to overcome. It just kind of feels like where we are right now as a team, we, we almost have to play perfect. That's just kind of what it feels like. And um, that's, that's, that's frustrating. we got to find a way to, to uh, play closer to perfect. And truly, that's probably not the case, but it just feels that way and have to agree with Coach Scott on that. The actual time elapsed from handoff to Spears to it was a two-score game in real time now. You know, you have delays and timeouts and that kind of thing. But from being a tie game, and definitely the Bulls are in it to down 31-17, was less than five minutes of real time. It was that stunning. And even though the Bulls did get a nice touchdown pass, it was too late. It was a three-score game. We did get to see a flash of the arm of Trey Marsh and the guy who was a converted defensive back. We knew he had the speed. This was fun. Looking for Stanley, he's got it! And Stanley into the open field, and he's gonna score! 73 yards!
Daquan Stanley, the former defensive back, with his first career reception, and it's a big one. Touchdown, South Florida. But Tulane actually had the ball the rest of the way. The sequence I talked about earlier where the offense had all the three and outs just wore down the defense, which did have some moments. Dwayne Boyle's getting a lot of them. Got to shout him out. 13 tackles, forced fumble. With both Greer and Gordon out, he was phenomenal. And you notice I did not replay the end of the first half when Tulane took the lead for the second to go to me. I was kind of overcome by the Bulls by how they started the second half. Green Wave got the ball, and the Bulls get a fourth down stop, and then they, again, had a chance to take the lead. That was, more than anything, the stuff you just heard. Settling for a field goal, and then the two touchdowns and three plays really did in the Bulls. They lose it 45-31. to 31. Well, that was football. They're off this week. Tulane, by the way, back into the rankings for the first time since the late 90s. Congratulations to the Green Wave. Next up, a wild weekend for volleyball, soccer as well. we got plenty more to tell you about here on Bulls Beat. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. We had a lot of play-by-play this weekend on USF Bulls Unlimited, but we're going to start off with a match that we did not have. It was a road match. And it was very, very important and a comeback win for women's soccer, which was definitely struggling and not looking so great at the beginning of the year, but that has turned around. Bulls win their fourth in a row. Seven and six is the record now, which, as we've been saying, at one point pretty early on it was clear that the overall record and the chances for an NCAA tournament bid were going to solely rely upon the Bulls winning the American Athletic Conference tournament because they just weren't going to have the non-conference wins you needed, and the 3-6 and six start was sort of guaranteeing that. So, in the meantime, just get into the conference tournament used to be the hope. I am an optimistic guy, but couldn't help to be a little on the other side because the Bulls had lost three in a row, and after they had lost their opener at Houston as far as conference play, they followed that up with a 3-1 defeat against Kansas. And remember the goal that Daniela Chung scored against Tulsa that started things in the right direction? Big-time win at SMU, then at home against Memphis. Remember the late first-half goal by Sarita Thurton, and then they would win that one. Memphis turned around and beat East Carolina earlier last week 4 to nothing. so you figured the Bulls would roll at East Carolina. Well, they were behind at halftime. However, completely outplaying the Pirates, outshooting them 14-5, to and getting the win. They tied it up on a Lucy Roberts penalty kick about 10 minutes into the second half, Daniela Chung got into the penalty box. She was fouled, and Roberts drilled it. Then, again, East Carolina, you could tell, was just playing for a tie. This team, at one point, was in first place in the conference through three matches and had not won since, so they were just trying to get that result again. A tie against the Bulls would have served their needs perfectly, but the Bulls' efforts paid off. An amazing goal, if you want to go to my Twitter page, that's at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, by Isaiah Blanco, a freshman from Spain, Thurton sent a cross in. Blanco still had a lot of work to do. She was facing away from the goal at a tight angle on the right side and just flicked it, got over the head of the goalkeeper, Maeve English, and the Bulls held on to get the win. Put them back in first place, albeit just for about an hour, as we, again, won't be doing a separate conference show around the American today, so we'll just give you the conference rundown and standings right now here on Bulls Beat for both the men and the women. UCF won a wild game in Tulsa where the Golden Hurricane twice answered Knight's goals, but UCF is really good. Kristen Scott, two more goals for her. She's fantastic. The winner came with about a half hour left, 
and 3-2 was the final score. Knights have in-conference play not lost. Four wins and the one tie they started off against Memphis, which on Sunday solidified third place by going to Philly and winning 2 to nothing. So after an 0-1-3 start, actually remember the Tigers tied their first three, then lost to the Bulls. They won their last two. And just with those two wins, they have already gotten in to third place. Had a lot of ties in the league. Cincinnati has three ties, including on Sunday, but that felt like a loss for Cincinnati because it was up to nothing, and SMU eventually tied it on a late PK. So after the weekend, some teams only have two games left in conference play, and that's worth noting. The rest have three games left. UCF, 13 points. USF, 12 points. Both squads have three matches left, two against other teams and then against each other. More on that in a second. Memphis is in third place with nine points. Yes, only three points behind the Bulls. However, Memphis has one fewer match to play. In fact, just two. And if the Bulls win on Thursday, Memphis can't catch them because the Bulls have the head-to-head. So this Thursday, the Bulls are playing Temple, which is 0-5 in the conference, 1-8-4 overall. You'd never want to assume, obviously, but you like the chances for the Bulls to win. And if they do, they would essentially lock up a top-two finish. They'd still have to go to Cincinnati next Sunday and then finish up next Thursday, War on I-4 at home. That, you can almost lock it down, is going to be for the regular season conference championship and so much more. The number one seed gets to host the conference tournament, so that's a big motivation. And whoever is that number two seed is going to get a bye for the first round because six teams make the conference tournament. But I'm guessing, I'm predicting that Memphis is going to end up as the three seed. And you kind of probably want to avoid having to play Memphis in a must-win scenario. And then, you know, if it's in Orlando, having to beat UCF, a very good team on its home pitch. So next Thursday is huge. This Thursday is the big step as far as getting this stage set for the Warren I-4 really deciding things. But the point is the Bulls have won four in a row. Look at a team like SMU, which at one point was the only ranked team in the conference. And they're on five points with two matches to go and might not even make the conference tournament. Crazy. Now, of course, the Bulls definitely have to make sure they don't slip up against either team, either Thursday night against Temple or Sunday at Cincy. Got to get a win and at least a tie in the other one, because if they were to lose, they could potentially be four points behind UCF going into the last game, and you can't catch them. So I like the chances for the Bulls this Thursday. Kevin Erlinson will be on the call for that one on USF Bulls Unlimited, because yours truly, again, will be out of town. The men's match, more drama last night. Weekend was unfolding great for the Bulls. The other results were in. Friday night could not have gone any better. You had two teams that were coming into the night tied, in the case of FIU with the Bulls, and able to jump them with the win, in the case of UCF, playing the bottom two teams in the league. And the bottom two teams both won, so it was perfect. FAU stunned at home by Temple, which was Ofer, not even a tie yet in conference play. And so the obviously Owls stay tied with the Bulls and can't jump them. UCF, which you probably would have assumed would have won at UAB, lost 3-1. to one. So that was a good start. Then on Saturday, SMU, the first place team, got beat by Charlotte. A, not a sleeping giant, but one that had had a couple of issues in its last matches in conference play. But yeah, they put it on them. And then Tulsa, coming off that loss to the Bulls, put it on a team that was ahead of it in the standings, Memphis, 3 to nothing. So it truly is an incredibly strong league. And then we'll give you the whole standings here in a little bit, but here comes FIU, a team that had a lot of goals but also had given up a lot. And guess what? That's exactly how the match played out. The Bulls get the 3-3 to tie, and trust me, 
That was just fine because they had to come back three different times. FIU had the lead less than three minutes in on a penalty kick. What a goal to tie the score. Short corner, Victoria back out to Soga. Victoria, nice curling cross. Bicycle attempt by Schaefer, that's in, unbelievable! We told you that Brian Schaefer is gonna be a welcome presence for his defending, not for his bicycle kicks, but there was one nonetheless. At which point we were thinking maybe the final score would be seven to six or something like that, actually. For a good half hour, play sort of calmed down before Steven Afrifa, who was FIU's leading scorer and a tremendous player who didn't start in this one, but you knew the Bulls were going to be keeping an eye on him. They couldn't prevent him from scoring. And yet, another answer before halftime. Nice little ball in by Barclay, headed down by Rosano. Spengler, top of the box, knocks it over to Shagoon, turns it, and scores! We're tied! Boy, give Ajmir Spengler credit there for keeping the ball in the offensive Threatening area, and Shagun Afalabi for the quick turn, and his second goal of the season has us tied with 5.18 to go. FIU had about double the shots of the Bulls, but USF had more possession. FIU was a quick strike type of team. And then 2-2, two to two, actually both teams seemed like they were playing pretty cautious in the second half because the tie would have been a fine result. Ended up ending that way, but... Not without a big-time sequence here, where the Bulls looked like they had a good play, and about 10 seconds later, the opposite. Ball sent in to the middle, and oh, what a save on a point-blank header! Jackson Wyman comes up huge! That is a moment right there, with 24 and a half minutes roughly left in this one. Point-blank header. Now another foul away from the ball, and FIU is getting what it wanted, a red card. Takara Moriyama, a most valuable player, and what a turn of events this is. I'm going to look at the replay. Yeah, yeah, Moriyama went up. That's a good call. It meant the Bulls were going to have to play 24 minutes down a man against a very explosive offense, and keeping them off the board proved to be impossible. Great goal by Afrifa. With about 11 minutes to go, the Bulls were down 3-2. to two. Of course, now you have to get risky. You have to sort of unlock your defense to try and get that tying goal. Or just send it back off the kickoff and have Sal Mazzaferro boot the ball up the field and have a goal less than 20 seconds later. Ball headed up to Kostanchik by Perez. Off to his right foot. Chance here for a shot by Rosano. And it's in! An immediate answer! And Rosano runs by the FIU bench and says, I can't hear you. Boy, did he shut them up and not the USF fans. Barring a football phrase here, maybe they scored too soon, but obviously the Bulls were going to try and just keep the score there for the last 10 minutes, and they brought in a fifth defender, and recalling the last couple of games where the Bulls had a 2-1 to lead and again suffered a red card at about the same time, and UAB scored with just five seconds left. Tulsa, with the Bulls hanging on for dear life, nearly scored, hit the crossbar with 30 seconds left, and then, of course, last Wednesday, out of conference against Stetson, the Bulls gave up a goal in the final minute. So, would it be any different this time? Fortunately, yes. The Bulls hang on for the 3-3 three to three tie. As far as the standings go, the Bulls have not lost in conference, which is amazing, but they're in fifth place because three of their results have been ties. SMU, which got beat by Charlotte convincingly 3-1, to one, stays in first place, but now there are three teams Tied for third, two points behind, including FIU. Tulsa, which beat Memphis, and the Memphis Tigers themselves. Bulls are a point behind that group. Then it's Charlotte and FAU on eight points, tied technically for the last conference tournament spot. 
a lot is going to happen between now and the end of the season. The Bulls' next two matches are difficult at SMU and at Charlotte. And by the time they come back home to play Memphis, they could either be out of the top six or if they get a result or maybe even two, get a first round bye like the women's team. Volleyball had two five setters. They were of different nature over the weekend. In each case, it looked like one team was going to win and the other did. Actually, the Bulls stormed ahead of East Carolina, which suffered an early injury, started to commit a lot of errors. And 25-18, 25-18, the Bulls were going with a different lineup. They had some regulars sitting out to start. They had Freshman from Turkey, Busey Hazan, get her first extended action, helping on the back row. Alexis Williams, who's normally the second defensive player, kind of a half-rotation sort. She played the whole thing. She was wearing the libero jersey, not CC Clawson. And it all looked like it was going to work out. Bulls cruise 25-18, 25-18 against an ECU team that had won three matches in a row. But the last two were via five setters. And the Pirates turned it around and forced a fifth set and held two match points, 14 to 12. But then the review drama, a lot of drama to end it. Gosh, man, oh man, would it be a devastating overturn. Play stands. I just heard the play stands. What? No, 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 no. Ah, this way. Oh my gosh. Give the official credit for two things. Correcting himself right away and giving about... 200 people, a heart attack. Deflected at the net, back row, already passes it to Marinelli. And oh, hit by the Bulls and it lands out on the Pirates' side and it's a Pirates' point, 16 to 15. What a wild point. Oh, I see what they're reviewing. Not where it landed, but if it made it over the net, it's gonna be an East Carolina point. Oh my goodness! What a review! I don't know who called for that review, but they're a genius. Now the Bulls have a match point again with Clawson. It's gonna be a battle, it's gonna be Marinelli pushing it over, and the Bulls are gonna get a chance here. Marta for the win, blocked back down. Alexis digs it, Bulls should get a good look here. Right side, Tizzy, and the Bulls win it! Tizzy Pouillis! How do they pull that off? Well, partial answer, Michaela Franklin turns out gets full credit for the challenge there on what would have led to ECU's third match point. It wasn't what we said on the air. It was actually an ECU player being in the net earlier in the point. Bulls' first-year assistant coach caught it, and that worked out. And it sure looked like the Bulls were going to go to 2-4 and four in the conference. They lost the first set Sunday to Temple, but then rolled 25-19, 25-17. Then in the fourth, sure looked like we were headed to another fifth set as originally Temple got out to a 15-11 lead. But then the Bulls went on a tear and looked like they were going to close it out. Tossed over by Temple. Now the Bulls set it up for Barnhart, and she drives it to the back line, keeps it inbounds. Bulls by five. They're two points away. 23-18 after a 7-0 run. But Temple called timeout, had an answer. Fought off two match points, 28-26, Owls in the fourth. Then they win the fifth, 15-12. Alexis Williams, I mentioned her. Playing a lot this weekend, got a career high in digs in that match with 24 Bulls, had 13 more kills than the Owls and still lost. Next one, a tough one, Wednesday in Orlando. Every match this week for soccer and volleyball is on the road except for women's soccer Thursday night against Temple. Again, Kevin Erlinson will be pinch hitting for me calling that one. Now, I will be in a remote area, should be able to tweet from at Derek Sharp and at Bulls Unlimited, but probably not as frequently. You can still get our schedule. Obviously, we're going to program the channel this week at Bulls Unlimited. Also, men's golf played 36 holes and was 18 under par after day one of the Quail Valley Collegiate Invitational. And while 18 under par sounds great, 
that was actually just good for fifth place going into today's final round. Apparently a very gettable course there in Vero Beach. We love covering all the teams for you here on Bulls Beat, and we'll be back to do it next Monday. But that's going to be it for the program as we take a little time off. I'm Derek Sharp. Horns up.